0: Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric.
1: And I'm Gabriella. Join us as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith.
0: In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as his people.
1: Hello, and welcome to another House of David podcast. For those of you who are new to House of David, we are a teaching ministry that helps Christians understand their biblical heritage and connection to Israel. My name is Gabriela, and I'm here with Pastor Eric, and today we are going to be discussing the importance of the Old Testament. Hi, Eric. Hi, Gabriela. So, Eric, we were talking about how today many churches and pastors have marginalized the Old Testament and set it aside as irrelevant or not applicable to Christians.
0: Well. Unfortunately, that is true with some Christians, not all, but uh, some Christians, and even a growing number of Christians and denominations today. But uh, the other bigger problem that I think that a lot of churches have is that they have kind of reinterpreted the meaning of the Old Testament. They've either spiritualized God's promises for Israel, or they, in some cases, have incorrectly assumed that the church is a new Israel, that somehow... The church replaces the old Israel, as if somehow God would reject, you know, His firstborn covenant nation. So I know in this episode we're going to talk about the Old Testament, you know, how it came about, how it points to Jesus and lays a foundation for everything that He fulfilled in the New Testament. And you know, it would be like watching only one episode, one trilogy episode of Star Wars. You know, it's a great film. But if you just came in, like in the middle of the story, it has a great ending and you'd be wondering, well, how do we get here? We know every great story has a backstory. Well, the same is true with the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the backstory or the New Testament.
1: Yeah, that's a great analogy. Okay, so let's start out with an overview of the origins and the history of the Old Testament or the Tanakh, as we call it in Hebrew.
0: Sure, the Old Testament was pretty much entirely written in Hebrew, except for a few short sections of Daniel and Ezra that were written in Aramaic. Now, the first five books are called the books of Moses. In Hebrew, it's called the Torah. And it just simply means instruction. Some other words that are used for it are called, you know, the Pentateuch or the Chumash, which, again, is derived from Penta, which is five, or Chumash, which is Chamesh, or five meaning, again, the five books of Moses. And these books were translated from Hebrew into Aramaic, and this translation into Aramaic is called the Targum. So by the middle of the 3rd century BC, the Hebrew canon was translated into Greek, and the Greek translation is called the Septuagint, and it was later translated into Latin, and the Latin translation is called the Vulgate. So, you know, the spread of Christianity later necessitated the translation of the entire Bible into other languages like Coptic and Ethiopian, Gothic, and even Latin. So, going back to the Vulgate. The Vulgate is a late 4th century Latin translation of the Old and New Testaments. Now, the word Vulgate means the version commonly used. Jerome's Latin Vulgate, and Jerome was one of these, these translators was the basis for the translation of the Old and New Testaments into Syriac and other languages like Arabic, Spanish, and eventually English. Now, the first complete English language version of the Bible dated to around 1382 AD and is credited to John Wycliffe.
1: Who was unfortunately accused by the Pope of being a heretic and burned at the stake.
0: Yes, sadly, unfortunately. And Wycliffe's other English translations, including the works of William Tyndale around 1525 to 1535, eventually culminated in the King James Version of the Bible known as the Authorized Version around 1611 A.D.
1: And of course, he was also accused of being a heretic and burned at the stake.
0: Yes, he was. But thanks to these courageous men, we now have a near word-for-word translation of the Bible. And the King James Bible has been the predominant version used by English-speaking Protestant denominations for more than 270 years. Now, the, the Bible was penned or written by many different people, but it ultimately expresses one author, God himself. And then I like to say that the Bible re- reveals God's one continuous story of his unfolding relationship with the creation, specifically through the nation of Israel. So it's practically impossible to understand the New Testament without a firm knowledge of the old. And it's also important to remember that nearly the entirety of Scripture, except for the epistles written by Paul to the churches in Asia Minor, were written to the nation of Israel by about 40 Hebrew men over a period of about 1,500 years. So when we read the Bible, we need to see the Bible from a a Hebraic perspective, a Jewish perspective when we read the Scriptures. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says, you know, what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Well, He says, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. So what is an oracle? Well, it really an oracle is a person of priestly authority that God uses to declare his prophecies concerning the future. And God's prophecies speak to the salvation and the restoration of Israel and her salvific relationship with the Gentiles, meaning the, with the nations. So, in other words, the salvation of all humanity is directly tied to Israel. And the Bible is the written assurance that God has provided to Israel, declaring his promise to save all the people of the earth through her. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 22, he said, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, while the Bible was written mainly to Israel, the Gentiles are not precluded from its universal message. And most importantly, in Jesus, the nations, the Gentiles are now part of God's new and everlasting covenant that was prophesied to all people of the earth. Isaiah uh, says here in chapter 55, we read, it says, The Lord declared in Isaiah, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David, and all nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel.
1: We believe that the Bible in its entirety is important and relevant, but there are some parts of the Old Testament that are especially exciting for Christians. We'll dive deeper into these in later episodes as there's so much to unpack in each of these topics. But today, let's talk about some of the Messianic prophecies and the Old Testament covenants. Well, that's a, that's a great uh,
0: starting point for our discussion on the, the Bible. You know, I think Christians, especially non-Jewish Christians, they need to see themselves connected to the Old Testament narrative. In other words, they, they need to feel like they're part of God's unfolding story that I just spoke about a minute ago. So let me give a couple of examples. The first example is God's promise to Abraham who God renamed from Abram, which means uh, exalted father. He renamed him to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So in Genesis 35, verse 11, we read, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation, and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. So God is talking to Abraham. He's making a, a promise to him, a covenant promise, that not just one nation, which we know this great nation Israel, would come from Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. But Abraham would be the father of many nations and many kings, many leaders would come from him as well. And Paul makes this connection forward to the church, saying in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, meaning the Jewish people, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So Paul, is he's made this connection, and he sees Abraham as the foundation of everything that would come after him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel. And then, of course, we know the lineage through one of the tribes, Judah, through which King David would come, covenant that God made with King David, that from him would come the Messiah, who is Jesus. Now, another example pertains to the new covenant in Jeremiah, chapter 31, and God said that he would make this new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. But this raises kind of an interesting question. Where do the nations, where do the Gentiles then fit into the story? Where is God making this covenant with not just Israel, but with the nations? So again, if we go, if we go back to the Old Testament prophecies, and we go back again and read Isaiah 55, where it says, "Every one who thirsts, come to the waters. Incline your ear and come to me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. One of
1: my favorite verses is Isaiah 49, verse 6 where the Lord is speaking of his servant. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Jesus said that God's salvation is of the Jews. He wasn't saying it was exclusively for the Jews. He has made his gift of salvation free to anyone who calls upon his name. And he said in Matthew chapters 23 and 24, he said, to, he's speaking to Israel now, he says, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches had al- have already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So here we know from scripture that the fig tree represents Israel. And since God gave Israel his biblical calendar, Israel is the Lord's time clock for his return. So the church needs to be aware of God's restorative work with his land and his covenant people, his first nation covenant people, which is Israel. So the church needs to get its eyes pointed in the right direction, which is again towards Jerusalem, where Jesus came and he is ascended, and that's where he is returning. And again, all this information, God's prophecies, are found in the Old Testament. Now, the other reasons that the Old Testament is important is that it provides the foundation for everything found in the New Testament. And going back to the Star Wars analogy that I used earlier, you know, Return of the Jedi, and and if you had just watched that in none of the other films, again, you would surmise there's this backstory, but you really wouldn't know anything about it. So you'd only have these vague impressions or wild imaginations about where the story came from and maybe where it's even going. And the same is true of the Old Testament. So without a thorough understanding of creation, for example, how God chose Abraham, and we just talked about how God made a covenant promise to make of him a great nation and a company of nations that many kings would come from him. And then from Abraham came Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel, and then Moses who delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, and then Aaron who was the first high priest, and really Moses was, but Officially, Aaron was the first high priest of Israel, and then many years later, King David came along and God made a covenant promise with him that the Messiah would come from his lineage through the tribe of Judah, and then King Solomon, the king of peace, we see really kind of a picture almost of the messianic kingdom in Solomon's kingdom, and the list goes on and on, that without all of that backstory, we really can't find any foundational grounding for much of what's in the New Testament. And so without knowing that God made these covenants and these prophetic promises concerning the Messiah coming from Israel, we would sometimes either find ourselves incorrectly assuming that the salvation and restoration of Israel is irrelevant to God, or insignificant in God's soon-to-be-established eternal kingdom, which again is going to be in Jerusalem. And so this gets to my last point, and this is the most important reason I think that we need the Old Testament we need to understand that Israel is very central to God's kingdom. And Jesus, again, is returning to Jerusalem to establish his kingdom there and throughout the world forever. And we know that the church is called to rule and reign with Jesus over his kingdom. So the Old Testament builds this foundation for the entirety of God's eternal kingdom. That's why we see the New Jerusalem, for example, has 12 gates named after the 12 tribes of Israel. And the foundation of this great city are the 12 apostles of the Lamb, of course, who we know are all Jewish. And God's earthly kingdom is going to be patterned exactly according to the biblical foundation that was given to Israel, and the nations are going to copy this model. So let me give you an example here in Isaiah. Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Many peoples will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And it shall come to pass that every one who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. So this foundation that I'm talking about is not just foundation for where we are as the church today, it's foundational for the future kingdom of God. Now the early church fathers recognized the benefits of the Old Testament in combating paganism, for example, and great names, uh, fathers of the church, uh, such as Justin Martyr and Jerome, Augustine, christosom these and, and other men are even mentioned in some of the narratives of the the rabbis called the Mishnah. This is the oral narrative of the laws of Moses. And they held close relationships with Jewish sages. And their interest was to use the laws of Moses, the book of Moses, to establish a moral foundation for Christianity And we see that foundation laid out even today in this nation, for example, in our laws, our work weeks, and even to a diminishing degree, even in the culture, for example. We see that pattern is still established. And so it's not surprising that Paul and other early disciples extensively quoted from the Old Testament because it would, again, it would take about 400 years for the New Testament to be fully canonized. And, for example, Paul quoted the Fifth Commandment, Of the Ten Commandments in his epistle to the Ephesian church, he said, Ephesians chapter six, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So I believe that the important realization is that the early church was building upon the foundation that was given to Israel and that God's moral law was to serve as the foundation for Christian believers. Part of the discipleship that they received was to understand uh, God's moral laws and moral standards. And Paul even said this, how would I know what is covetedness if I didn't have the law, for example. So the law was to teach even even the early Christian church. And uh, Christianity was never intended to replace biblical Judaism. Christianity was and is the fulfillment of all the promises that were given to the nation of Israel and those of the nations of the Gentiles that would be grafted into God's family of people to join the Jewish people as fellow heirs, as Paul says, and to partake of the same covenant promises that are found in the Old Testament. So I think you can begin to understand, Gabriela, that you know, the importance and the undeniable value of the Old Testament and it's foundation both for God's kingdom, but also for the life of Christian believers today. For us as Christians, we know we are destined to be part of God's eternal kingdom. And so it is vitally important that we understand this foundation.
1: You know, I had read most of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, when I was younger. In Israel, we studied the Tanakh in school. Um, and being an avid reader, I'd also read it on my own, actually at a very young age, surprisingly. Um, Mm -hmm. But it never fully made sense to me until I read the New Testament, because the Old Testament ends with all these prophecies and promises that really never get fulfilled. It just kind of ends. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I read the New Testament that I could see how Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament messianic prophecies. And then all of the pieces fell into place. So the bottom line is that you can't fully understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. And you can't fully understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. And together they lay out God's perfect plan of redemption and salvation for Israel and for all humanity. And they, re- they reveal the foundation for God's eternal kingdom that we the church are very much a part of. So thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. Please subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like it and share it with others. We look forward to you joining us next time on House of David podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter.
0: We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.